Hey TCO fan, Patrick here. Before we get to the episode today, you guys, I wanted to let you know that last week on our Patreon feed, we put up an interview Jillian and I recently did with Sky Borgman and Emily Kincaid, the director and producer of that bonkers documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight. Abducted in Plain Sight was just released on Netflix, so basically anybody with a Netflix password can see it. So if you haven't yet listened to our episode on Abducted in Plain Sight, go watch it on Netflix. Listen to the episode, and then check out our interview with Sky and Emily on our Patreon feed. We ask all the tough questions, we really get into it about the parents, and I ask a super awkward question about the dad. It was really fun. They were great sports. It's one of my favorite interviews that we've done, so I hope you'll check it out. And we're going to play just a little piece of that interview at the very end of this episode, after the palate cleanser. So stay tuned at the very end of this episode for that. Okay, now to the show. Jillian Pensavale, <laughs> Patrick Hines, kicking it old school. Right? <laughs> Back to basics. Um, girl, before we get to anything else, we this is a thing we have not said in a really long time. You guys, if you love our show and you love what we're doing, will you take a minute and review us five stars on iTunes? Yeah, we used to say this all the time and then we started doing live shows and like the Patreon really (laughs) took off and we kind of like poor little Apple podcast got left behind but we were just like you know what we got to shout her out again it's true and it makes a difference you guys it really does help people find our show it lets people know what you like about us it makes a difference if you don't just rate stars but if you actually write a little thing like just a sentence or two we would really appreciate it yeah totally the other thing you guys our February 9th live shows we're doing two a 7 o'clock and a 930 Uh, guess what 7 o'clock is sold out. Yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so get your tickets to the 930. I think there's like 18 tickets left for that. We're doing a meetup at the bar at the Yotel, which is where the venue is that we're doing the actual show at 530. So everything is happening all in the same space. 530 meetup, 7 o'clock show, 930 show, and then after that 930 show, we're doing another meetup at the bar. Yeah. It could not be easier. It's all in one place. We're going to have the best time. We can't wait to see you. And don't forget, you guys, Patreon, you guys, we're on episode 7 of Make Making a Murderer Season 1. Our boys are shining. You guys, I really, really am loving the Making the Murderer. Yeah, yeah. I'm like attracted to the lawyers. Of I've course. got a lot of questions about- Why are about- you saying that like it's new? Like, <laughs> I'm attracted to them? Like, okay. Because it would be maybe weird it's an emotional were- connection. Oh, because Dean and Jerry aren't monsters. That's right. the thing. And that's that's the big breaking. That's the breaking news. That like they're just nice guys working really hard. Yep, they are. Get on the Patreon, you guys. You can binge all of our Staircase, all of our Making a Murderer, The Jinx, Serial Season 1, all of our- is truth or dare. <laughs> <laughs> All of our bonus mini episodes, everything. Support us. Come hang out. It's so. It's like a whole other podcast. It really is. Yeah. And you get them all at once, everybody. It's true. Five bucks a month. That's it. Yep. That's it, you guys. Well, I have to issue all of you an apology. <laughs> well, tell me everything, especially me. Especially me you. Me the most. Because we're covering 51 Birch Street this yeah. week, right? And the based on the trailer, I said that it feels to me like it's capturing the Freedmen's plus the imposter. Yes. It is neither of those things. <laughs> 
the true crime here is how we were deceived by a trailer that made it look like there was some big scandal, and really, right. it's like a study into this shitty marriage. But you know what? I actually really, I really like the documentary. I don't know how true crimey it is, but you guys, it's not our fault. We thought it was true crime. It was yeah. pitched as true crime, and it's on every, it's on all the lists of like all these documentaries to watch. The description and the trailer make it seem like there's a bunch more scandal than there actually is. Plus, you guys, there's a super hot picture of the guy who made the movie from uh, the 70s. It's pretty uh, perfect. <laughs> this is a film about families and how things are never quite what they appear to be. Hey, like when my mother died unexpectedly. And three months later, my father reconnected with his secretary from 40 years ago. I remember being struck at the wedding when they held that kiss. I think I timed it at 12 seconds, which is about 11 seconds longer than I remember Dad ever kissing Mom. This is our undemonstrative father who all of a sudden is saying I love you all the time. What? No one knows what goes on behind the closed doors. You know, were there other women that you fell for, that you, you know, had strong feelings for? Wow. I had those pictures of me with that hat on, and the, the picture of an absolutely frozen-faced suburbanite. It's horrible. I mean, truly really horrible. Every family has its secrets, including mine. Do you think my mother would have wanted me to know what was in her uh, diaries? Digging them up led to painful discoveries. Were you unhappy? When? When I was a kid. Yes, I was very unhappy. But do you miss her? No, I can't say I miss her. The truth can also lead to dramatic breakthroughs. We just sort of blend. It's sex, that's all. Oh, sex, all <laughs> right. Sex. Yeah. I want to start us off this week. Okay. Because the opening shot of this documentary is I knew an it. ice cold chilled martini with a twist. I have in my notes in caps, it starts with a close up on a chilled martini. I knew you were going to oh. straight out of the gate with that one. I was like, it, I mean, I haven't had a drink in seven days. I've told you. I'm I know, trying to you're lose weight. Thank you. Losing you're doing for, a great job, really. I support so you 100% in this. You guys, I'm drinking as my body weight at the live show. Yeah. Hopefully that body weight will be less than it is now. Yes. <laughs> But it just made me want a cocktail so bad. And it's like, we don't know really what's happening at this point. But this camera person is like zooming in on this like fabulous older lady and sort of like pestering her, wanting to ask her questions. And she just doesn't want it to ruin her afternoon cocktail. Uh, you can ask me a question, but it's going to spoil my drink. Like she knows. <laughs> She's like, we're sitting outside. No, I, I want to ask you one question. Okay. It's going to spoil my drink, but okay. Um, well... Hold on. Let me just double check that I'm in focus and all that sort of stuff is working. She looks enough like Kathy Griffin's mom that yes. I just am dying to be her best friend. Absolutely. You know it's 110 at the <laughs> latest in the afternoon. <laughs> with that martini with a twist. It looked delicious. It was uh, so chilled. You know the, that that 
glass came from the freezer. Of course. Of yeah. course I know yeah. that, girl. Yeah. What kind of monster do you think I am? That's the real it's shit It's right freezing there. cold. It's yeah. like, even like a little bit of ice There's chips. Frosted, it's frosted. It's like a frosted glass. Let's oh my, stop talking about I want it. I can see so it in your face. Am I? Do I look like a martini? Is it like a cartoon where instead of a big chicken leg, it's just me looking like a martini? Oh, God. I need a drink. So what we learn, we start learning what the hell this thing is all about. Right. And it's about Mike and Minna Block. And it's the narrator and filmmaker's parents. Right. And it's one of those things where, much like Capturing the Freedmans, which is kind of what I thought this was going to be about a little bit, he start, the filmmaker Doug starts covering them and filming them for posterity. And then it turns into something completely different. Yeah, because he says this thing. He's like, until things took an unexpected turn, I never intended to tell their story. And I'm like, girl, what happened? Just tell us. Yeah, again, like just baiting this thing. Like, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's not interesting. <laughs> you guys, I think it really is. Uh, Jillian, I love her so much, but I disagree. Wow. I think this is I'm right here. Her can hear you. <laughs> I just feel weird from the beginning because suddenly it's like a ah, like a scream, and I'm like, is this it? And the woman's like, you did it. Hey, you did it. I did what? Did you take that picture from below? No. I'll kill you, and you cannot use it. You promised. Oh. Can I open the door? Hello? The mother <laughs> locks herself in the bathroom because Doug destroys trust. Here's the thing that Doug did, though, and I totally feel her. He took a picture of her from below. You do no, not you do, don't do that. that. You don't do that. That is the rudest thing in the entire world. Right, no. Above, from above. Uh, from so far away that you can barely see me. <laughs> right, and then you filter the <laughs> shit out of it. But, like, the mom is totally teasing. Yeah, and she comes out all smiley. It's yeah, like the not... whole point of this is, like, to show that they have a really close relationship. Right. But I love her. She, like, storms into the bathroom. <laughs> Slams it. I'm like, oh, she's fun. How many martinis has she had exactly? It's only 8.14 in the morning. Yeah, no. She's Her... carrying that martini glass to the sink. Yeah. She's going to clean it. Like, that's where she's going. And refill it. Right. <laughs> So then Doug just sort of like sprinkles in. He wasn't close with his father. We'll get back to that later. Okay, good. I like the mother better anyway, I can tell. Totally. I have a lot to say about the relationship. These kids, he and his sisters, they talk about their dad like he is the dad from Capturing the Freedmen. Yes. He yes. is the sweetest, nicest old man. Like, he just like, he quizzed, now, he quizzed them at the table at dinner and they're, they get ruined their childhoods. No, I got a totally different vibe. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I got that he was like a hard ass. Like, he had this family, but he like wasn't interested in them they were just like people who also lived in the house oh i I felt totally differently well the parents have been married for 50 years they met in brooklyn after his dad got home from world war ii all these awesome old photos which you know i love and the mom is sort of like he was fine before but when he went to basic training you guys he got super hot we corresponded actually while he was in basic training and um he came home on leave one time and he was really quite a gorgeous guy and he lost a lot of weight, and he was looking particularly nice and lean. It was one of those instances of, of, of tremendous physical attraction, you know. And that was kind of like that. And he was home for 10 minutes, and it's like, bada-bing, bada-boom, they have three kids. <laughs> Married with three kids. And this takes place in Port Washington, New York, which is like 40 minutes away from here. Yeah. Again, old... capturing the Freedmans. 100... A family in Long Island. They're all neighbors. They're all neighbors. They're all neighbors. <laughs> like, they live down the street from the guy from Miami Evil War. Yes. Oh, my God. What's his name again? Who, I don't know. who cares? Matter. So this is where we learn that this guy, Doug, so he's a professional documentarian who sometimes shoots weddings. I would like to see the actual, like, ratio of weddings to documentary films that he does. Right. Well, he's in a 
aspiring filmmaker and he's, he does weddings on the side. Girl's 50 and look, I get it. Dreams never die. I totally mm-hmm. get that. We find out later that his wife is like a, one of those crazy rich like psychologist people. Oh, we're going to get to her. Yeah, Marjorie so, the intellectual. <laughs> That's her so full name. She supports her like starving artist kind of adorable husband. Right, but it's also just like TikTok. Like I'm annoyed by this. Right. Just say you're a wedding videographer. I sometimes shoot weddings to support making documentaries. It's very intimate work, and being right in it always reminds me what a vast leap of faith every marriage is. He does this thing where he, we're just like also seeing these random wedding vows, and I'm like, I hope everyone okayed this. Me this too. is a really intimate moment that you only invite, like, and they're all small weddings, yeah. and it's like, and now we're seeing this? Okay, I great. Know. And Doug is like, is talking in the car, and he's just like, yeah, I'm like really good at knowing if a couple's gonna make it forever right. or not. Like, I'm really good at knowing the inner workings of people's relationships. And it's like, Doug, the big joke is that we only have this documentary because you didn't know shit about your parents and their marriage. So let's let's edit that part out, sweetheart. And he also is making the point Point. Like, literally, I have in my notes, it's like, marriage is very, 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 very hard work. Marriage is going to be very hard work. Ask any married couple, and they will tell you, it's not for kids. It's very, very hard. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's that many varies. I know. It's hard It's hard work. But then you like it cuts to the faces of the people in these videos, and they all look terrible. Terrified. They're Terrified. all like in their early 20s. Yes. Way too young to get married, unless it was you, and then you guys, you made the right choice. You made the right choice. But ever, for everybody else, way too young to get married. <laughs> yeah, and they're all, it seems like, because we never see the efficient from face on, like we just right. see that they're back, and it's all almost like, what have they been telling these 22-year-olds for the last 40 minutes? Like, is this like homily or service or whatever it is? Like, how scary is it? How many varies? Are they using in this, like, you guys, it's going to be awful? It's almost like when, like my first day of drama school in college when the professors were like, none of you should do this. Yeah, you're, you're all, all wasting your time. Yeah. I'm here to break you down and build you back up. Start crying. Go. Didn't take that much for me. No. But we learned that Doug has been married for 18 years. Yes. And he has a stepson named Josh. Yeah. And a daughter, Lucy. And so- I'm weirded out by this. <laughs> I feel weird even it's, talking about it's it. It's very weird because the first shot of the two of them are them sitting on the couch and the boy, the much older boy, Josh, is squeezing her very tightly. And she's on his lap and they're singing this really creepy, weird song about like felons. When a felon's not engaged in his employment. His employment. Or material. Yeah, and then it cuts to like the kitchen and his wife is getting something out of the refrigerator with a parakeet on her shoulder. An actual parrot on her shoulder. It's very... Listen, only Levanya Tarting is, a, is allowed to do that. It, there's a lot of visual information we yeah. get very... Very quickly, and I don't have any answers for any of it, and it makes me really uncomfortable. But just if you guys haven't, if you don't want to sit through this documentary, um, can we guess the ages? Lucy's fourteen; he's like twenty. Yeah, the ages are super inappropriate to be like cradling 100%. your stepsister, and she looks like she's blinking like Morse code, like help yeah, me, help me. Yeah, blink twice if you need help. Yeah. And the song about felons, I don't I know. know. And I just don't, I, guys, I don't understand a family dynamic where the mom just walks around with a bird on her shoulder all the time. Well, Marjorie's a law professor, so you sit. <laughs> down <laughs> she She's is smarter not to be than all with. Us. yeah no um her son was 10 years old when they got married and she is five years older than doug then we just get a quick remember i don't know if i said this in in one of a very recent episode where I, it's just such a new york thing to me where my grandmother would like look at a photo album and be like they're all dead and that's what that's what the mother does that's what minna does she's like it isn't it's such a shame they're all dead look at that too discouraging almost everybody in this thing is dead well, that's what happens. You hang around long enough. 
50 years is 60. You hang around long enough, He's and that's what happens. This is the big setup for, like, guess who dies next? Minna. Minna dies. Then, recently, without any warning, it happened to my mom, too. And it's weird for everybody because she looks like she's in great health. Way better health than the dad. Yeah, she like catches pneumonia and dies in three weeks. It's this really like tragic fluke freak kind of thing. I feel like they put her in the ambulance and she's like, later, I am out of here. Well, then we cut to the dad and he's sitting at the kitchen counter and he just goes, oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Please tell me it's the most manipulative editing of all time and he didn't really just get the news that his wife is dead and that's his reaction. Like, please. I, this is when I want the editing to be manipulative and horrible. We're going to find out that he didn't miss her very much. No. And he says so. He's like, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> be, but at first, now, like, we don't really get that. Like, the kids don't. <laughs> I feel like if you got the news that I got hit by a truck on the way to the recording, you, meh. Are you kidding me? Come on. The iTunes reviews already think I'm a monster, Patrick. Don't give them any more fodder. <laughs> um, so the family, the kids, are concerned about their dad living alone because he's an older guy. He's never yeah. lived alone. They were married for 50 years, but the two daughters live hours away because they were like, peace <laughs> out. And Doug is in New York City, which is like 45 minutes away. So now that there's the one child, right, where all the responsibility falls on them to like take care of the parents. Yeah. That's Doug. I know a little something about that. Right. Moving on. So does my mother. <laughs> But, like, this is the whole bit where where Doug, the filmmaker, is telling us that he never had a really good relationship with his dad. He never knows what to say around his dad. But, like, good for Doug. He's going to, like, force himself to go and bring his camera. Well, of course. Right. (laughs) There's a documentary to be made. I can't say I look forward to these visits. Douglas was always a problem eating. No matter how old I get, I somehow always feel like a kid around my dad. Not paying attention to anything the way I thought of mine. Maybe that's why we have such a long history of avoiding each other. We're now with Doug, right? And we're going through the house. And this is the beginning of the dad. What he does in this entire movie is just try to give stuff away. You got any use for this? You got any use for this? Yeah. The entire time he's just trying to unload his shit on his kids. You need some linen, towels? Nope. You sure? Yep. You need shaving cream or anything else? Nope. Need a hacksaw? Uh, no. This is the thing where they're like, they're walking around the house, and I'm like, the dad seems so sweet. Like, he's walking around trying to give his son something, and the whole voiceover is like, my dad was kind of a monster. My well, dad wasn't very nice. My dad was very distant. My dad wasn't around. And I'm like, and then we, it's all intercut with the sisters. Yeah. We're like, you know, we couldn't even sit at the table without dad asking us how our day was. That's what a not monster. what they said. We couldn't even sit there without our dad telling us we were pretty. What a monster. <laughs> Go back and, and edit it. You're going to be like, that's not what they said at all. Sitting down at the dinner table. We couldn't just eat dinner. It had to be competition. We had to do math. We had to do vocabulary. If we argued about a word, somebody would have to run and get the dictionary. There's this book, Cheaper by a Dozen, and it was written by a guy who was an efficiency expert, and he ran his household so that it would be efficient, and I read that and thought of Dad. And Ellen, the other sister, really, she's 
the one who's the maddest yeah. throughout the whole thing. She is. And Ellen's like, he wouldn't communicate at all. You didn't want him to snap. It always felt like he was kind of about to snap. He was kind of a tense guy. I was hearing them say that, and I was like, what I'm seeing does not connect with that. He's happy because Minna isn't there anymore. They had a horrible <laughs> marriage. I'm telling you, he's happier without her, and that's yeah. sad and heartbreaking, but that's what this documentary is, you guys. So here, here we go, you guys. We're here. Three months after the mom's death, the dad takes a trip to Florida, and he announces that he is reconnected with his secretary from 35 years ago, a woman named Kitty. Yep, Carol, but we're calling her Kitty. Yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden, we're at the wedding. Having declared yourselves in the humanist tradition, you are now husband and wife. And we do have some music. Doug, of course, is filming. (laughs) He's doing like dual, he's playing two roles here because he's filming it because he's a wedding videographer. And he's filming it because he's making this documentary about his family. And he's also the best man. Now, I've got a lot to say about this wedding. This wedding, okay, Kitty and Mike are making (laughs) out hardcore. And they've rented this hall, but there's nobody there. There's not a lot of people there. There's like 14 people at this wedding. And every time, every time it cuts to one of the sisters, she's got her head in her hands. She's, yes. got, she's like looking away. She's looking down. Like all, the sisters are just forlorn the whole time. It's very weird to like go through this whole thing of this big wedding. Yeah. At this point of your in your life, your wife just died. You knew this person from 35 years ago. It's kind of a big show to put on. And then the shade of it all... Doug is the best man, and yeah. he basically makes his best man speech talking about how his mother would probably approve of this. <laughs> right. Uh, it's really nice to get out from behind the camera and um, be able to offer this test to my father and Kitty or Carol or whatever her name is. <laughs> you know, Kitty met my father, I guess it was probably about 35 years ago or so, and, um, you know, he's mellowed over the years. My sisters and I... You know, did our bit to soften him up, and you know, my our, our mother did a lot to soften him up, and uh, I'm sure uh, she would really approve and uh, appreciate Kitty, and um, probably think you're a little bit crazy. <laughs> Good luck to Kitty or Carol or whatever her name is. Whoa. <laughs> What, Doug? <laughs> Kitty or Carol or whatever her name is. All right. But, and then Kitty is hugging people, like hugging uh-huh. guests, and she's like, I got him. I got him. And I'm like, ooh. I got him. I got him. Kitty is like a bride on her bride on her wedding day. Yeah. She's running around kissing and hugging everybody. There's this shot of her hugging one of the sisters. The sister, the, like they pull in for the hug. Uh-huh. The, epic eye roll that Doug catches with the hug. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like we have to do, we have to be nice. Is this the true crime? Is it going to get scandalous finally? Because at this point we're like, the whole lingering idea was like, wait a minute, this all happens so fast. Yeah. All of a sudden the dad is like being super demonstrative, Uh which doesn't mean monsterly. It means like showing affection. Oh. Carabelle. Yes, he's and, being emotional and lovey. Yes. The thing is, I had less of a heart. I, uh, this, A lot of this made sense to me. Where it was like, we find out that they were sort of in a loveless marriage. Mm-hmm. Also, his wife just died. You know, he's realizing that like he's going to die soon. Uh-huh. Like I think that him all of a sudden like wanting to be emotional and like make big decisions and get married to this other... I think, to me, that wasn't weird. Yeah. I mean, looking outside of it, sure, like, this guy just wants to be happy and why shouldn't he be? And That's he, fine. he's had this big reminder that life is short. Right. I just, if life is so short, why would you hire such a creepy wedding band? (laughs) 
Did you hear how they sound? Yes. You have to play some of it. It's just like, like capturing the Freedmen's now again. This like creepy sing-songiness. Oh. <laughs> Uh, you guys, it's time to cut the cake. It sure is. No, this is from the preview, and this is the thing that made me throw up watching the preview. I have a hard time watching old people kiss each other. Uh-huh. I'm just going to come out and say it. Sure. They You want kiss... them to be happy, but you don't have to see it. Right. Why are you putting that in my face? Right. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> is there another group of people? Marriage that... <laughs> should just be between two young, hot people. Well, it takes away from my marriage exactly. if other people can get exactly. married. Exactly. The you guys sanctity of marriage. We're kidding, everybody. That's... <laughs> you're listening. If this is your first podcast with us, if your first time joining us, we, we feel the opposite. Marriage is between hot Adam and hot Steve. <laughs> they are kissing for so long that, like, it's just, it's so gross. Doug times it. So Doug times it and he... He talks to his sisters about it. I think I timed it at 12 seconds, and it's just about 11 seconds longer than I remember Dad ever kissing Mom. I don't remember Dad kissing Mom at all. You know, this is our unemotional, undemonstrative father who all of a sudden is saying I love you all the time. When has he ever been affectionate? When has he ever made eye contact with Mom for 12 seconds, let alone make out with her in front of all their friends and family? It never happened. Uh, but so, again, this is the whole thing of, like, were they secretly in a relationship the entire time? So this is kind of, like, a cool moment where he's, like, going through the family albums. And he's, like, sees that she's sort of popped up. She's been around. She's been to family functions. So it's, like, were they secretly having an affair the whole time? Ever since my father called from Florida, he's been focused squarely on the future. And that's great. But I'm still stuck in the past. Why do I suddenly care? that Kitty was a guest at my bar mitzvah back in 1966. We don't really get a lot of this, but, like, Doug goes to interview his uncle, Josh, and we find out that the dad, like, all throughout the marriage was taking these, like, suspect trips to Florida. Well, yeah, we'll get to Josh in a minute. I have 800 things to say about Josh and his song. (laughs) So now they're married. Five minutes goes by. The dad sells the childhood home that they all grew up in that he lived in for 50 years with his wife. They're going to move to Florida. And again, this doesn't surprise me. But it's it, like, they're, I get it. Like, I, this is for sure traumatizing for the kids. Like, yeah. I'm sure this is traumatizing for the kids. But from the outside perspective, like, he's old. It's cold. He wants to go to Florida. I get doing the old people thing, moving to Florida. I totally understand yeah. that. But at the same time, it's like, what? A, isn't this a, no one likes moving. You could be at your youngest and your hottest and moving is a pain in the ass and stressful and exhausting. Yeah. I just did it and I'm pretty young and hot you are you know what i mean and so i totally know what you mean so in your 70s or 80s or whatever do you really want to move from port washington new york to florida like hell yes really oh my god i mean if you're old and like you know kitty's from florida like she's got a whole life down there yeah and we hear later that like he'll tell us people in his community they're not active all the old people are dead they've outlived all their That's friends why no one's at the wedding right but like in florida it's a different community my other favorite florida moment if we have to group them yeah at one point he goes to see this like really young rabbi and he's like i want to work things out with my dad he's moving to florida in two days which is like it's basically like another planet and he's like, not to Jews. <laughs> this rabbi's 12 years old. Do you think this can lead you to kind of closeness with him? I mean, Well, you- I'd like to. We have, like, you know, just a few days left. So. Before he Before he's going off to right Florida, right. which might as well be another planet. Right. Well, <laughs> not for Jews. So, again, now they're cleaning out the house. Again, the dad is just trying to unload the garbage on anybody who will take it. And Kitty is scratching his back. Oh, no. And he's making these weird noises, and I hate it 
so much. <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable. Oh, oh, a little low. A little low. Oh, 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 oh. Did I ever tell you that I was at uh, I was at the theater and people were doing that. The people in the couple in front of me and Super Hot Husband Mike were scratch. The guy was scratching his girlfriend's back, but under her shirt. No, and no! scratching her entire back. I was like, "You need to stop." <laughs> that is disgusting. You can't do that sex. in the theater. Yeah, no. But funny you should say that because now Kitty and Mike are like, "That's kind of our sex, you guys." And then they start talking about sex. We just sort of blend. It's sex. That's all. Oh, sex. All <laughs> right. Sex. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so this is another point where Doug, the filmmaker, is talking to Marjorie, the intellectual, uh-huh. his wife. This whole documentary is like predicated on the idea that he's just not going to ask his dad if he was having an affair with Kitty. I know. So he's just got to so talk annoying. to everybody else about it. I know. And he's saying to his wife, the intellectual, like, I, you know, why should I be upset? Like, if he was having an affair and he was happy and everyone was happy and affairs happen all the time. And the wife is like, up, up, up. She's like, I can't really speak to it because I'm projecting my personal <laughs> ideas of infidelity on other people. And I'm like, Marjorie, the intellectual, living up to your name. I know. And your own feelings are... You know, you say what well, happens all the time. And mine are not to the people, you know, that I'm close to. Where it's not supposed to anyway. She's like, basically, if you cheat on me, I will fucking kill you in your sleep. Yeah. And I make all the money, so try it. Where are you going to go? Film another wedding, sweetheart. See how that works out for you. Is this dinner on the table yet? You just embodied Marjorie. Damn. Hey, man. Then we get a little bit of the backstory between Kitty and the dad. Yes. Because there's like there's this picture of them like in the newspaper from 1965 when they worked together. Yeah. So Kitty was the dad's secretary. Yeah. And she's like, we work well together. We always work well together. We still work well together. And I'm like, Kitty, I get it. I know. You're attracted to this person. <laughs> okay. And then she's like, we looked out for each other. Like there was all this drama happening. Like you have to have each other's back. Like, okay, fine. And then she's like, it's just something that is. It's just something that is. You can't force it. It's something that happens very few times in a lifetime. So I am happy that we're together. Okay, Kitty, you married the guy. Girl, as you said at the wedding, you got him. You got him. We get Stop. it. Stop. This whole section of the documentary is sort of just reminiscent of Grey Gardens, uh-huh. where it's like two old senile people just walking around the house talking about memories. With like piles of stuff <laughs> yeah. everywhere. They're like navigating piles. The dad wears shorts at one point. Kitty takes such glee and just like throwing shit away. Yeah, because it's the other the other woman's. Yeah. It's Kitty's house now. <laughs> She's not going to have that. What, was this plate hers too? Get rid of it. Nice china pattern, Minna. Kitty's over it. I'm Team Minna, for the record, if you guys haven't. Minna opens this documentary with a chilled martini. Team, team, was there a question whose team I was going to be on? Exactly. Come on. So speaking of Minna, we meet her brother, Josh. Uncle Josh. Uncle Josh. Hey, girl. And we hear that Mike was always going down to Florida. So Mike the dad. Mike the dad. And if you remember, Florida is where Kitty lives. Yeah. And Josh is like, he kind of, like, it seems like he had another life. And I used to wonder about, um... The other life that he had, I thought that he had certain, uh, an eye for other women. He calls him suave. Which he's like, I, he's very suave looking. Yeah. Which he says almost as like, but then they cut to pictures of him and I'm like, oh damn, he was suave looking. Except for that horrible skinny mustache <laughs> that's on his lip. I know. It's basically on his lip. And, and Uncle Josh is like, he really, he really took meticulous care of that thing. 
back out of that mustache. Hey, was Josh ever um, unfaithful to his wife? No. How do we know? Because there's a song about it called <laughs> I Flunk Adultery. I actually looked this up. I got on the online. You did? And I dialed up the online. Uh-huh. Beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> 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 and I thought maybe there was a chance that like Uncle Josh was like a famous like composer or something. Uh uh-huh, at Couldn't least in Port Washington. Yeah, exactly. No. Couldn't find it. Um but luckily Uncle Josh sings it for us. Yeah, he takes care of that. He can't set up the YouTube on the online, but guess what? When his nephew's there with a the camera, he's singing it. So I it's guess a big break. Here you go. It's hard for me to confess the truth that adultery can happen in a telephone booth. Because to keep my scoreless slate intact, I would never find the room to consummate the act. I flunk adultery because I can't go all the way. And while I sing the plays a thing, the organ doesn't play. So if the thought of getting caught does so much to upset me, I flunk adultery because my wife won't let me. Wow, that was... That was. <laughs> it was, and it is, and it was, and it always will be, and it is. And then, right after that, Doug is like, clearly I need to get away from my family. Yeah, he does this, like, dumb, I have to fill the hours documentary thing where he's like, I'm going to reach out to this author and see if he can talk to me about my problems. He wrote a book called Finding Our Fathers. Right. And Samuel Osherson, I think, or Osherson. Yeah. Dr. Sam Cutie. is what we're going to call him. Um, he is such a therapist because yeah. Doug can barely get the story out about my mother died tragically and, and quickly and then Kitty's around. And this whole time, Sam's like, and he finally just full stop interrupts, like bulldozes Doug and is like, tell me more about that. How do you feel about that? Oh, I said it. I said it. And then he like can't wait to give his own perspective because Doug talk. he says four words and he's like, do you want to speak more or can I go now? Because I'm a ther- I have things, I have thoughts and feelings and opinions on this. And um, you know, this is going on right now. I mean, so do you want to say more? No, you know, I just throw this out there because you know I'm just curious what your what, what comes up for you. Let's talk about loss because I think what you're saying is is as much or more about loss than it is between about fathers and sons. Um, no he's problem. like, it's about loss, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> It's just this like weird, stupid moment. But then we get Natasha. Oh my God. You guys, this woman, Natasha, who was Minna's friend. Best friend, like bestie. Best friend. She comes over to help Kitty and Mike like clean out the house. And and the kids. And you know that this Natasha's got a martini under the, like just out of view of the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is hammered all day. She's your favorite grandmother. Yes. And she's with the kids. She's with Doug and the, not kids, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, And Ellen and Karen. And they're going through pages and pages and actual pages, you guys. Yeah. Pages and pages, like all the varies about how hard marriage is, that many for pages. Yes. Of a diary that Minna kept daily for like decades. I'd totally forgotten that my mother kept a daily diary for many years. There's three boxes filled with her diaries going back to 1968. Mom's secrets may be right here for the taking, but do I have the right? 
this is that like dun 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 moment of like, oh, we're gonna get, oh, they're gonna spill all the fucking tea. But then they waste twenty five minutes like deciding, like Doug's like, <laughs> should I read it? And it's like, bitch, of course you should. Yeah, you have decades of a daily diary from your mother who just died, and now Kitty is on the scene. You read that, of course. And like your whole your whole mo here is to find out if your dad was having an affair. Yeah, the you answers are in the pages, girl. You read it. God, I know. Remember when Doug asked Ellen, "Do you think she was a good mother?" And Ellen just goes. <sighs> the longest sigh ever. I'm like, say no more. You just answer. So then we get this whole sort of backstory about like the mom, mom on tape talking about how like when when the kids were young, she wasn't happy. Yeah, she's like, well, I wasn't happy. <laughs> One of the things that was going on was that I wasn't happy particularly, and the marriage wasn't working very well. I had those pictures of me with that hat on, and the, the picture of an absolutely frozen faced. You know, suburbanite. It's horrible. I mean, truly horrible. The only time the mom was ever happy was when they were on vacation. Yeah, and so, like, you don't really have to start digging that much, Doug. It's in the pages and in your own footage. Yeah, like, what we're finding out and what you can kind of tell from the footage is that the mom was, like, a super smart, yeah. super worldly woman who was just had been sort of, like, stuffed into the suburbs in the 50s. At one point, somebody says, like, she should have been born later. Yeah. You know, like, she just, like, she had so much more to offer. Yeah, she wanted more. Yeah. And she was a 50s housewife with three kids and, like, a husband who wouldn't communicate with her. Ex- exactly. Fun. But so we we (laughs) learned through the diary that she was like trapped and frustrated and she was sexually frustrated. But good for her, girl. She got herself into therapy. Right. She like wanted to unpack it and work through it, which is incredible. So her and Natasha like become therapy buddies. Yes, I love that. Natasha cannot say enough good things about what therapy did for them. Well, I think the big issue was uh, power and uh, the fact that women had so little to say in uh, what was going on. There was a general feeling, you just don't understand me kind of thing. And then when we uh, went into therapy, you felt completely understood. Doug is also interviewing his dad. And we get this, like, interview of them in the car. And basically, like, Doug is starting to probe. Like, without saying, like, I'm reading Mom's Diary and I realized she wasn't happy. He's sort of like, how, what do you remember about your life with Mom? And basically the dad's like, I don't like to talk about memories. Yeah. And then, so Doug's like, wait, so Kitty has kind of been around our whole lives in some some peripheral way. Like, what did Mom think about that? Right. What did um, Mom think of Kitty? I mean, did she make anything of your relationship at the time? None at all. She knew she worked for me. Uh, We didn't have anything to be concerned about. In the moment, he asks his dad without asking, like, were you stooping Kitty? Right. We get the no, and I'm like, what are we all doing here then? Right. And also, let me just say, emotional affairs... Totally. Are super, will fuck you up. Yeah. Like, totally. it's, you don't have to have sex with someone to be betraying the, your your partner, you know? Yeah. So Kitty is getting interviewed, too. Doug's like, Kitty, what did you know about my mom? And she says she didn't know Minna very well, except that she was a beautiful woman. Be- Beautiful. beautiful. We have a Marjorie. We have a beautiful. <laughs> I was so excited. I wrote that in huge letters. Yes, beautiful. Be- she was beautiful. I really didn't know your mother that well. I just, the only thing I always remembered about her, she was beautiful. And she had a, a great speaking voice. You know, on the phone, she always came through as uh, so full of life. You know, and she was a beautiful woman. You know, and I got to say, like, 
Kitty doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the former misses. Right. But like in this moment where she's really pressed on her, she's like, she was really beautiful. And when she would call the office, like she was full of life. Yeah. And that's like the constant. She was just very, she had a lot of, a lot to offer, a lot to give. She wanted more in her life. And she was kind of like a, like a spitfire, you know? It's funny because we see Kitty a lot in this documentary. She's usually in the background throwing shit away. Yes. (laughs) But like when she's interviewed, you're like, oh, she's a good person. Like, yeah, you know, she hasn't done, (laughs) you don't have any time for her. No, no. I'm saying like, that's the thing. Like they're all just like boring people who just want to be happy. Like, what are we doing here? Why was this film made? I don't care. Like she's like Kitty, like she's fine. Yeah. So we see this whole section that Minna wrote about Kitty in the diary. And like Minna has her suspicions, but she doesn't really care because Minna has her own secrets. Minna starts going through what she calls her hip college phase. <laughs> you know, smoking marijuana. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. She talks about smoking pot at this like retreat for parents and listening to the overture of 1812. And the first thing I know, I'm being invited to somebody's suite where they were all smoking pot. <laughs> I joined them. And I'll never forget this one because they played the 1812 Overture. And, you know, all those myths about how pot was supposed to enhance your sensory perceptions. This was right. Nothing ever sounded more glorious. I am convinced that Minna, up until her last day, was convinced that the 1812 Overture was like a, like a fever dream from the weed. Like, I don't even think she thinks it's real because if she had never heard it before since only when she smoked weed. But like, I totally get it. She's home. She's bored. She's got no outlet. Give me some of that pot. Yeah. And then Doug's like, oh shit, my parents were kind of cool. My mom yeah. was like into women's lib because of course she was. His totally. dad had long sideburns. I was like, oh, is that cool? Okay. <laughs> Um, and Natasha's like talking about how maybe they were swingers or they at least got offered to be. The whole sexual revolution was out there. One couple came over and wanted to do an exchange and another one was interested in group sex. And I know I had gotten a lot of quote offers. Natasha's like, I got lots of offers. Yeah, I Natasha, was. I uh, Natasha was offer only. She was, <laughs> did not have to audition to be a swinger. She was offer only. The 50s really were wacky. But now, it turns out, Minna was obsessed and in love and super obsessed with her therapist, Ben. We never get a picture of Ben, which no. bums me out. I know. I want to see what Ben looks like. My other guess is that maybe Ben was a homosexual. A homosexual? Yeah. Or maybe he was just ethical and good at his job because he like did not go for it. Well, he was a man who she was sharing all of her intimate secrets about, and he was showing emotional and listening to her and caring what she had to say. Yeah. Which is why Natasha's like, doesn't everyone fall in love with their therapist? No, <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> No, that's not but what come that over is. with your martini shaker, Natasha. Yeah. I want to hear about those offers. I know. Back to the offers. <laughs> um, this conversation is so funny to me because this is when Doug is like, did my mom tell you that she was madly in love with him? And Natasha's like, her husband? Right. And, Ben's, and Doug's like, no, Ben. And she's like, oh, Ben. Yeah, you know, no, no. We talked about that. <laughs> but the way she's like, her husband. <laughs> No. I just because like there's in the diary there's like excerpts of like letters she wrote to Ben. Well, Doug, this is so uncomfortable because Doug is like reading the sexy love notes that yeah. Minna wrote to Ben. Ben, dear, you were masterly tonight. You put everything in excellent perspective. Goes on a while. However, in stressing your shortcomings, you overlooked a couple of things. First, I wasn't talking about marrying you or living with you. I was talking about an affair. 
minute is saying to Ben, like, no, 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 sweetheart, you're not understanding. I don't want to live with you. I just want to do it. Right. Like, all the time. Like, can our therapy sessions, like, I want that part of our work. Right. Can I just be doing it sessions? Doing it. Humping. I want to hump you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wish somebody had opened the door just when you said that. I'd be like, no, 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 not him. But then, so I guess Ben was like, no, girl, that's an ethical violation. Like, I can't do this. And my boyfriend wouldn't like it. Right. We'll have martinis together. Yes. But I can't hump you. I hump Bob. Right. Ben and Bob. They were so cute. They were like Ben and Bob, the roommates. The roommates. They're friends. They lived on the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Confirmed bachelors. Totally. Their their families were so disappointed. So Minna starts having an affair with her husband's friend. Some unnamed guy. guy. So this is, again, from the diary. And she even blanks out his name. It's like blank, 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 apostrophe. You guys. She knows this is going to be found one day. This is juicy. Yeah. This is like juicy and creepy and weird. She even writes about a bizarre night out where this friend came along with my parents and me to the local movie theater. While my dad and I had our eyes glued to the screen, inches away, my mom's attention was elsewhere. It's like family movie night. With this other guy, who she gives, and you guys, this is Minna's word, not mine. She gives him a handy. She says handy. She says handies. Plural. Are you kidding me? So this is all like words on the screen. So this isn't a quote, but she handies shows up in quotes and considerably aroused. But wait, just to, just to paint a picture, as my friend Jillian sure. says. Sure. She sounds awesome. She She's at the movies with her husband and her son giving a handy. To, to her, her husband's friend. To- <laughs> what movie was it? I Gone with the Wind. You know it was Gone with the Wind. <laughs> And now Doug is like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. I know too much. I know too much. I'm out. I just read. I know my mom typed the word handy and aroused. Like- Suddenly, I'm not sure I want to learn anymore. Okay, you guys. Now now we're going to get into some real shit. Well, yeah, because Mike's like, I'm ready to move. I want to like go to the future, and the future is Florida. I don't miss Minna. So this is the thing. He Doug asked Mike straight up, like, do you miss mom? And he's like, uh, not really, girl. No, I can't say I miss her. I did the best I could with her and for her. But by the end of it, it was um, an association together that neither of us wanted to break, but it wasn't a loving association. It was a functioning association. And Doug's like, cool, as his soul explodes in his body. It's the kind of thing, though, where, like, the dad is able to say all of this in in a way that, like... That really answers the question. Right. He gives no fucks anymore. Like, he is starting to live the life he always wanted to. And why is he going to... If he married Kitty, he's not holding back anything now. Yeah. So he's going to be honest. Uh, But before they move to Florida, they have to have a going away party. It's the worst party (laughs) of all time. They have it at the temple, which is fine. But it's just like nobody... Like, they needed someone a little younger to make the planning. You guys... It's the most okay. First, first of all, it is just everybody's great grandparents. Everyone, everyone's a thousand years old. Uh-huh. No one can hear anybody. No, and there are no tables, so they're serving what you know is like well, well, well done steak <laughs> on these pla- on these like styrofoam <laughs> plates that everyone has in their lap, and they're trying to cut the brick of steak with plastic <laughs> knives and forks. Like, get these people a table. <laughs> they're all like, huh? And the, what? the chairs are set up like next to the pews or whatever, where it's like this is where they have where the congregation meets with their well, you know, it's well done steak. You it's guys. also like every time they talk, food is falling out of their mouth. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Look, are you still making those movies about the weddings? What do you call them? Are you still doing that? Have you done anything that maybe I'd see, Doug? 
Have you made something of yourself? <laughs> what do you think there is to do? It won't come to you. You got to start it yourself. You got to start it yourself. I didn't know what you're talking about. But then also, he... <laughs> Mike keeps walking around asking everybody else if they plan to move to Florida. Right. And I'm like, you guys, this one guy who's 98 years old, if he's, <laughs> he's in the day. He's, he's so like, old. He's like, nah, not now. In a couple of years. Okay, okay girl. girl. I'll see you there, <laughs> sweetheart. Like, when Florida it, is another name for heaven, I guess. Uh, yes. To some people it is. But it's like, sweetheart, a couple of years? Yeah. The other thing that we're seeing, too, is, well, number one, Kitty is running around talking to everybody. Kitty's the life of the party. Because it used to be Minna, remember. <laughs> Oh, Minna was the life of the party. Does anyone need a martini? Anyone? Is anyone dry? What's happening? You need anything? The bar's over there. I, I, I have two, girl. I can't carry yours. I have two. So now Kitty's trying to, like, replace Minna. Yeah. So also we find out that, like, he's got, Mike's got to go to Florida with Kitty because he did not want to get in on the dating game in their town. No. He literally says there were women from the temple calling me almost every night. There were women in the temple that were calling me almost every night. Hello, Zora. Oh, would you like to come up with some bridge? Oh, we're getting together to have a little party. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, Mimi. Mike is apparently a hot commodity in this Dad, world. it's Phyllis again. Oh, Phyllis. Tell her I'm not here. <laughs> tell her I'm not here. What am I, Dad, what am I supposed to say? Just tell her, tell her I'm in the shower. I don't know. No one's covering the phone. Phyllis hears the whole conversation. She's heartbroken. <laughs> Just talk to her. She's nice. She's a nice lady. What's so wrong with Phyllis? <laughs> <laughs> those poor, those because then you see there's like five old ladies gathered around him, right? Like, ooh, bye, Mike. Mike, don't go, Mike. You know their dumb husbands all died 15 years ago. <laughs> their husbands were probably lovely. Let's not bring the husbands into it. But they've all been waiting for like the one eligible bachelor, right? Mike's he little comes fan on club. Board. Forget it. Kitty scooped him up. Oh, that fucking Kitty again. Oh, Kitty. God. God, she can't even make a decent martini. <laughs> She's trying too hard to be the life of the party. Minna just flowed out of her. <laughs> so then there's this entry about Mike and Kitty. Like, we're back and forth to the diary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this entry about how, like, Mike and Minna ran into Kitty at dinner one night. Yes. Like, later in the marriage. It sounded pretty uneventful. And yet Mama woke in the middle of the night and wrote this down. Mike was very close to Kitty for a couple of years. Whether sex was part of it or not, and I'm still not sure, is really almost irrelevant. Somehow, sweet pliable Kitty seems to represent the kind of woman Mike should have married if he'd known what he wanted. Instead, he chose me, and I've been too much for him all along. There was a bit of shade in this because yeah. she literally writes, she's like, I was too much for him. Too much energy, mm-hmm. too much need, too much woman. Yeah. Which I feel like we're reading that in 2018 eyes, which we're like, yeah, go bitch. Like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. She, I think probably she wasn't saying something nice about herself when she wrote it. Yeah. Like, like I'm too strong. I'm too right, independent. Of course he doesn't and want me. not good. Yeah, I'm too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I just be boring? Minna, why can't you, you should have been with us, girl. I know. Totally. She would have been amazing at the Pride show. She would have introduced us. I was going to say, you know who Minna's hanging out there with right now. Oh, Sylvia and Marsha, girl. Yes. They're all hanging out. Those chilled martinis. Can I you stand it? Listen, it's the uh, franchise Fred is in the Sky. Yes, the Fred is in the Sky. <laughs> you know Sylvia joke. was like, 
bitch, we got a seat for you right here. Spill <laughs> us the tea. Give what did Ben look like? What's the deal? They're all like gossiping about it. So now we're back to Mike in the car complaining about Minna again. The best compliment I ever got from her was, "You're fine. You're all right." You're... <laughs> and, and frankly, Minna was right. Yeah, and and Doug again, like he starts like getting up more and more nerve to ask him direct questions, and he the dad's like, "Well, I had lots of pictures of girls, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of pictures," and he keeps talking about pictures. And finally, Doug is like, Dad, I'm not talking about photos. Did you screw someone who wasn't my mother? God, how many times do I have to say it? I don't care about your pictures. I don't care about your pinup girls in the war. Right, exactly. Enough. But you know, Mike, whether he's telling the truth or not, he says, like, no, I had lots of opportunity, but I never did. I I had as many opportunities as I did pictures. Lots and lots and lots (laughs) of opportunities. Were you not at the goodbye party at the temple? They're all over me. Mike. Mike. No, I want to talk to Mike. Mike, Mike, let's get a picture before you go. Were you Look throwing their bras at him? Look at me. <laughs> Those enormous Those bras. Those enormous bras. Third With, love, like, you guys. With, extra support. Yeah. Why? They still wear wired bras, you guys. Their, their loves were attacked. <laughs> So this is kind of like we're getting towards the end. Like we we see this final interview, and then there's this really sweet moment. I was like sitting across the table from Steve working, yeah, and I'm like starting to cry because Doug says to his dad, like I've asked you all these questions. Is there anything you've ever wanted to ask me? Yeah, and the dad's like, Are you happy? And so whatever, Doug gives some answer about like I'm mostly happy, whatever. Which and Marjorie's like, Excuse <laughs> me, enough. But this moment where the dad, again, not a monster, the dad says to him, I was really lucky that you were my son. Yeah. I could sob, I could sob right now just thinking about it. I've been very fortunate to have you as a son. Say, you really did very, very well. Thanks. And when I look at my families, boy, I can't believe it. I've been blessed with a good family. And if you're having a, a somewhat happy life, Forget everything else as far as I'm concerned. You got something you can grab and hang on to, and that's very, very good. You can't beat it. It's a great company. It kept me alive, say. And the thing is, he cannot move out of that house fast enough because there's still, like, stuff in the house. He, it's like There's another whole shot of the dad trying to give Doug more stuff. And Doug is even saying, like, do you, don't you want this? Do you want this? Do you want a tux? Do you want the book? And he's like, no. Right. Like, he can't leave fast enough, and he's just out the door. And then it's like, that's it. And then they talk for another 20 minutes about, like, marriage and relationships and how hard everything is. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, we did it. It wasn't really true crime. (laughs) No. I mean, the crime was how deceived we were. That's true. You guys, again, not our fault. We thought thought there was going to be bodies in the basement. Yeah. I really did. A little scandal. Not like we're rooting for dead bodies. (laughs) You guys, come see us live. Yeah. (laughs) February 9th, we're doing two shows. 5.30 meetup at the Yotel bar before, and then we're getting drunk at the same bar after the show. Yeah. The 7 o'clock is sold out. The 9.30 is for sure going to sell out. There's only like 18 tickets left. So if you're thinking about coming, get your tickets ASAP. Um, And don't forget, you guys, rate us on iTunes. We would really love some more of those positive reviews. We really love it, and it means a lot to us. Yeah, we really appreciate it, and you, so thank you. And don't forget, you guys, Patreon, you guys, we're about to record Making a Murderer Episode 7. Uh, I am obsessed. I I love it so much. I know. I know. Also, the Jinx, uh, the Staircase, Serial, Serial. all the bonus stuff. You guys know, if you basically just want another, a whole separate true crime, like true crime obsessed podcast, 
Go get it. Yeah, and for five bucks, it all shows up in your feed instantly. And you guys, don't forget, stay tuned to the very end of the episode, after the palate cleanser, where you can hear a little piece of our interview with Sky Borgman and Emily Kincaid, the director and producer of Abducted in Plain Sight. Girl, next! You guys, we're doing three identical strangers. Yep, did you hear that? Everyone's cheering. You guys have been requesting it for so long, we're totally going to do it. If you don't know about this movie, it's about three identical twins that were separated at birth. I don't know why. I haven't seen it yet. It's like some experiment. Like, it's horrible. And they, like, find each other, I think. Yeah. So very excited about that. Yeah. Girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on Twitter. And then our amazing website, True Crime Obsessed, has all info for the live so- shows, the merch code, yep. the Patreon. Oh, and episodes. And episodes. Don't forget the episodes. <laughs> you guys, we love you. We uh, once love again, you. I don't know what the palate cleanser is going to be. We'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> Whatever we land on, we'll put it in the show notes. Let's do it. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. I wouldn't believe the story if someone else were telling it, but... It's true, every word of it. It started when I went to college. It was the first day of school. All these people are coming up to me saying, Eddie, how are you? Eddie, hi. I'm like, my name's not Eddie. I don't know what you're talking about. As soon as this guy turned around, I knew it was Eddie's double. I said, you're not going to believe this. You have a twin brother. Oh, my God. As I reached out to knock on the door, it opens. And there I am. His eyes are my eyes, my eyes are his eyes, and it's true. And then the story went from being amazing to incredible. It was an article to Twins Reunited. I think I might be the third. When people ask me what is the most remarkable story you ever encountered, I tell them it's the story of the triplets. You guys have been on the front page of every newspaper in the world. True. True. They were more like clones than they were like brothers. It was a miracle. There was nothing that could keep us apart. That's when things kind of got funky. Something was just not right. They separated these boys at birth. The parents had never been told that there were two other children. What was the purpose? Why? How could you not tell us? They're trying to conceal what they did from the people they did it to. When you play with humans, you do something very wrong. It would be evil enough to come up with something like this. There's a lot of powerful people that would like to have this story silenced. There's still so much that we don't know. It boggles the mind. It's a mystery. I'd like to know the truth. His wife just died. So oh, he... God. <laughs> you guys, the podcast is over. <laughs> I spill something every time. Well, you didn't really spill anything, and everything is still plugged in. So, it's, hey. I know. It's own. Red Bull o'clock, you guys. Yes. Red Bull o'clock. Straight Red Bull. <laughs> 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 um, but here's the thing, though. Like another thing that just made me sorry. I'm gonna because it's not a here's the thing though situation. Um, <laughs> I don't know how she feels today. <laughs> what if I was that type of person? Like I don't know what's my Jennifer. Let's yeah. call her Jennifer. I don't know how Jennifer's feeling today. The news reporter. Yeah, I don't know if Jennifer is here today. <laughs> well, let's oh, go on this journey together. Here. Maybe Jennifer's here. You guys, I don't know. Girl, before we start. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was really like that? <laughs> we would we fine. would not be friends. Give it a good ha ha ma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ha ha ma. Ha ha ma. Jennifer.
So I was a bartender for 15 years in New York City. Okay, you win the bartender. I'm just saying, before I was a bartender once, I was out at a bar on the Lower East Side. Yeah. And this, like, gorgeous woman was working behind the bar, and it was packed. Uh And I was like, oh, if I wave my money at her, she'll know I'm ready to order. Mm -hmm. I was waving my money at her. She had security (laughs) throw me out. Good for her, (laughs) even though your intentions were in the right place. I know. It's so not. I know. I always thought about that when I was bartending. Uh Like, they don't mean it. They don't mean it. Some of them do. I know. (laughs) Not all of them do, but some uh, of them absolutely there is no such thing as last call in Freda's, you know. Oh, Freda's in the sky. You know, like there's no last call. It's just always happy. Everything's free. It's oh, just like you God. know the bartender. It's like, no, I'm not I'm not taking it. You know when you know the bartender, yes. there's like that fake fight about paying them? Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> and it's never last call. Oh. And there are always show tunes. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's always Musical Mondays. It's always Musical Mondays at Splash. That's what it is. Oh, my God. Remember Splash? R.I.P. Splash is up there, too. <laughs> Splash Splash died. They all, all the good ones go. I look around and what I see is I don't belong here. This isn't me. What have I become? I'm really not this girl. Is that all there is? What's it gonna take to get off the streets? When do I get a break? It's not what I wanted. This is not my world. I know where I'd choose to go if I could disappear anywhere but here.
parents are kind of monsters. You know, it's a funny thing because, yeah, uh, look, <sighs> so many people feel that way. A lot of people feel that way. And and there were times, you know, where we had a really hard time with the parents, especially in editing, um, just trying to trying to really dig down to, like, what happened. And I think, I actually think it's kind of easy to say, yeah, they're monsters. They're terrible people. Um, but I also feel like, you know, there's so many elements in this documentary. And I really always go back to kind of the power of shame and denial and how yeah, powerful yes. those two emotions or feelings or whatever they are, are. And and when I think back to times when I've been shameful about something, it just sends me immediately into denial. And granted, it's not been anything as big as like my daughter being kidnapped and raped multiple times. But yeah, but it's a powerful thing. And I and I always had to sort of go back and remind myself about this. And I think it's something that everybody feels is, you know, just what shame can do to you. Well, okay, so on that front, I have kind of a serious question that I don't know if you can talk about or if you have even thought about, but like, I, I guess just from the way I approach the world, in talking about like shame and denial, has there been any conversation of the dad's actual sexuality? You know, it's a good question. Um, and I, I had a talk with Jan about her dad's sexuality, and, uh, and it, he, he's lived his entire life uh, as the head of this family. And, yeah. and he's lived a very happy life as the head of this family. I don't know that he ever did any sort of personal exploration about what his sexuality is. Um, I think that if he'd done that or if his surroundings or if his family had, had been different or if his church had been different or if there was no church possibly, that he may have he may have gone in a different path. But I absolutely believe that he chose this family, um, whether or not that is his actual true calling I can't speak to that. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I think that might be the best answer. To hear the rest of this interview with the director and producer of Abducted in Plain Sight, in which we really do ask all the tough, and let's face it, juicy questions, head on over to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed, where you can get this and all of our other bonus content. 